Hey, we've been talking about something called the grand event here for the last few weeks. And the grand event is not the meal that we're having, even though that's going to be pretty grand. When I got out of the car, I smelled bacon. I mean, that was, I think heaven is going to smell like bacon. I really do. I mean, that is one of the best smells that you could have, and there is all kinds of bacon, but that's not the grand event that we have been talking about. Instead, in your New Testaments, there is a letter written to Christians by a guy named Peter. And the second letter that he wrote, he he said in the very first chapter that, that everything that we need for life and for godliness, for godly living, has been given to us. Everything that we need. And so what we begin to realize is, all right... There is something special that's taking place. There's something exciting that's happening. I have everything that I need in order to live a godly life. And what we begin to see is, as we continue to read through that chapter, is that the grand event is God's greatest expectation. It's God's great expectation for our lives that there would be a change that would take place, that there would be a transformation that would occur. And because he's given us everything that we need, he says, all right, because you have it, Now I want you to start adding some of the things that I've given to you. I want you to add these things to your faith. And the word that's used there that Peter used that we translate into our Bibles as add is a word that was used for, it was a word that was used for a chorus director that was putting together the final preparation for a grand choral event. Everything was ready, everything was prepared, and it was his responsibility to go and make it right, and to go and, and, and make sure that everything was going to come together. And so Peter uses this word, and he says, listen, you've been given everything you need for a godly life. Now go and use it. Use what God has blessed you with. Use what God has given to you. And in the process, you find out that you'll be transformed that you'll be changed. It's not that you go and and add these things to your faith so that you might be saved. He's talking to individuals who've already come into a relationship with God. And he says, listen, these are things that you need so that you will continue to be transformed, that you will be less like yourself and more like your Savior. So as we've talked about this over the last few weeks, we've discovered that discipleship, discipleship is an active experience. It's not just something where we just sit down and we just hope that God zaps us from on high and that something then changes in our life. We begin to understand we've got a part in it. That there's something that we have to do. And it's not something that we do by ourselves. Because discipleship is also a communal experience. Where when he writes to these Christians, he's saying you and and your. And it's this idea that they're doing this together. It's not that they've gone off into some kind of Lone Ranger Christianity. They're not John Wayne off in the desert with his horse. No, they are together and they're working on this. They're adding to their faith. They're growing in their spirituality. And together they are being, being changed. And then last week as we got together and we focused in on this idea of our, our faith. We said that before we can live out our discipleship, we have to believe it. That discipleship must be believed before it can be lived. See, Peter, when he writes and he says, I want you to add to your faith, he almost just puts that on the page in a way that that we just fly right by it. And we just assume that, well, that's just a given, that, that you're going to have faith. But we said last week that that faith is so important. And it's something that that is so foundational to our life. And so we focused in a little bit there last week. And I I wanted to hit it one more time this week. This whole idea that discipleship must be believed before it can be lived. 
And it's all because without faith, it's impossible to, to please God. You just can't do it. How many of you got hooked on the American Ninja Warrior? Anybody got, got, got hooked on that? Right? You've seen this, right? Where, uh, where, where these guys and gals, uh, they go through different obstacles and they compete to see who can be the best ninja warrior of all time. Now, I, I don't know if you've watched this enough, you probably got your favorite. You probably have the favorite person that you saw compete. Uh, here's my favorite. I want you to watch this. The T-Rex. Keep it right there. Oh, don't you love that with the little arms right there for the T-Rex? Now, if you've never watched this before, no, you do not have to dress up like a dinosaur to compete. That's just something that that particular guy did. My favorite part of the whole video, though, are the announcers that are getting excited because there's a dinosaur running. And they're trying to be all serious. Now, this is where we're really going to find out if he's got any agility when he goes over this. And, and they're just getting all excited, and he goes up the work wall, and everybody's going crazy, and they're, and they're screaming. And, and, and so I started thinking, you know, what if... What if, what if your walk with God was kind of like American Ninja Warrior? Go back to the Old Testament for a minute and think about this. What if there was God's Hebrew warrior? I don't know, about 1390 B.C. What kind of events would you have to go through in order to become God's Hebrew warrior? Well, you know that number one on the list, you're going to have to be able to survive three days in the belly of a whale. I mean, that's where it's going to start, Right? I mean, you're going to start there, and then if you're able to get past that obstacle, well, then there's going to be the giant fighting that you're going to have to do. You're going to have to go do a little giant fighting, and if you're somehow able to make it through that, well, then there's the ultimate. Fire from on high. I mean, if you can handle the fire from on high, then you can be God's ultimate Hebrew warrior. Man, aren't you glad you didn't have to, aren't you glad you didn't have to grow up during those Old Testament times? Aren't you glad that, that you haven't been called to, to go and live in the belly of a whale? Aren't you glad you haven't been called to go and face any giants on the battlefield? You start thinking about the different things that God asked for those who followed him. That God asked for those who were going to be his. And you look through those Old Testament stories and it just gets pretty extreme. And it's like it's some kind of reality television show. And you're wondering, I, I don't know how I could have handled that. In fact, I don't think I could have handled that. Well, here's the good news. 
You go towards into the New Testament and you say, all right, what about God's Christian warrior? What is it that God puts out in front of his follower that we might look at and say, well, that's a pretty big obstacle for us to have to get through. There's no well, there's, there's no fire, there's no giant, but, but there is this one. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And in that way, you'll be acting as a true children of your Father in heaven. There's no giant. There's no fire from on high. But God says, listen, if you're going to follow me, and if you're going to be a disciple, then you've got to start loving your enemies. And you've got to start treating people that are different from you with honor and respect. And, and you've, got to, you, you've got to change the way in which you relate to those that have hurt you. Because by doing so, others will look and go, you know what? That's a child of God right there. Because there's nobody else who could do that unless, unless they were from God. That's one of the things that God calls us for. Here's another. I love what's written here on the dollar. I'm a piece of paper and I control your entire life. So Jesus says, don't store up treasures here on earth. Where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. You don't have to get on some zip line and swing down from our balcony into the baptistry. No, you just have to learn not to let materialism consume you. You have to learn how not to let the the pursuit of the almighty dollar control your life. That's what God asks of you. He says, let me be your treasure and not all this other stuff that's out there. Think you could survive that one? You think you could get by the one about loving your enemies? You say, those two aren't a problem for you. Well, how about this third that maybe you look at as being the ultimate obstacle? Just do to others what you would like them to do to you. Sounds simple, doesn't it? And yet you look right now throughout our society and how difficult is it for people to live by this truth? I don't know, maybe you've thought about this. Maybe you've thought about these three different ideas, these, these commands, these expectations of discipleship. And maybe you have found yourself lacking in the past. Or maybe there's another thing that Jesus has called you to do. Maybe it has something to do with your forgiveness. Maybe it has something to do with the way in which you are um, handling your relationships. Maybe it has something to do with your purity. I don't know. But if you spend any time at all in Scripture, if you spend any time at all as a disciple, then what you've discovered is God places demands on His people. He places demands on us so that we would be able to live in a way that shows, you know what, I can only do this by faith. That's the only way. Because without faith, it is impossible to please God. And so we looked last week at a place in Peter's life where he learned that that was the case, that, that he needed more faith. He needed his faith to be strengthened. And, and what I want to do just for just a couple of minutes, I want us to go to another, another area of Peter's life as we remind ourselves, you know what, you've got to believe in your discipleship before you can actually live it. The story takes place in Matthew chapter 14. There's a storm 
And because there's a storm, the disciples are in a boat and they're struggling and they're just trying to keep their supper down and they're just trying to survive what's going on. And they look off in the distance and it appears that there's some type of of demon. There's some type of ghost. There's some apparition that is making its way across the water. And when you read Mark's account, you find out that Jesus was the one who was on the water and he was intending to pass by the boat and it was going to be an opportunity for him to display his divinity to his disciples. But they are so fearful that they cry out and he lets them know, listen, it's just me. And so Peter says, all right, Lord, if it's you, then I want you to let me come walk on the water to you. Nothing big. If it's really you, you tell me to come walking on the water to you. I don't know if Peter really thought that Jesus was going to say okay, but Jesus said okay. And you could just see him standing there on the boat and all the buddies behind him going, well, you opened your big mouth. And he's looking like, all right, who's going with me? And they're like, we said nothing. Okay, We, we didn't say anything. So he puts a leg out and he, but he doesn't sink. And he begins, to, he begins to walk towards this apparition, this, this vision, this person who has said, hey, I am Jesus, you can come to me. And he's walking and he's feeling pretty good about himself. And it's like, hey, I'm walking on water. And you can picture him. I mean, he's looking back. He's like, guys, look at me. Hey. You know, if there had been a cell phone, there would be a selfie somewhere of Peter. All the waves coming up, the boat in the background. He's like, woo, right here. That's what would be going on. And then all of a sudden, the lightning flashes. And the storm gets even higher. And he realizes, ah, I'm walking on water. And he begins to sink. And he cries out to Jesus, and the text says simply that Jesus reaches out and takes his hand. But he doesn't say, oh, they're there. He doesn't say, man, that was awesome. You did a great job. We're going to try this again next week, and you're going to do better. That's not what he gives him. Instead, he says, you have so little faith. You have so little faith. Why did you doubt me? See, here's where we get, I think, off base when it comes to this idea of faith. When it comes to going through the different challenges that sometimes we feel like Scripture places on us. These different expectations for a disciple of God. See, we think that faith is, it's all about us believing in ourselves. That's what we've been taught in our society. We just need to believe in ourselves more. We need to have good self-image and we need to think we can and we need to do what we think. And if we just had a better self-image of ourselves and if we just would dig deep that we'd be able to, to get rid of addictions and we'd be able to change our life and we'd be able to go in totally different directions. But I want you to notice what it says. You have so little faith. Why did you doubt me? See, Jesus is saying, Peter, you asked. You asked that if if it was me, for me to tell you to come out and walk. And and I said, come on. And he says, the reason that you went under the water is not because you doubted yourself. It's because you doubted me. You doubted that what I told you you could do, you could actually do. 
And here's why I say that we have to believe before we can live out our life of discipleship. Jesus calls us to to not focus on the treasures of the earth. He, He calls us to love those who might hate us. He calls us to do to others the way that we would like to be treated. He places other expectations on our lives. And we look at it and we say, you know what? I just don't think I can do that. I don't think I can live that way. I don't think I can handle that road of discipleship. I don't think I can talk like that. I don't think I can think like that. I don't think I can love like that. I know I can't forgive like that. I don't think I can go on like that. And Jesus says, listen, if I have told you, if I've told you to do something, I believe you can do it. If I've told you to love your enemies, it's because I truly believe you can love those who hate you. If I've told you not to focus on all the wealth of the world, but place your assurance and trust in God, it's because I believe that that's the life that you can live. If I've told you that you are to treat others the way that you would want to be treated, that even in the heat of the moment, I truly believe that you can do that. Do you believe me? See, faith is not about having more belief in yourself to carry out the commands of God. Faith is believing that the God who called you believes that you can walk in his steps and you can do what he asks. So let's close it like this. What is it that God has called you to do that you've just had a hard time believing was actually possible? What is it? Getting on with your life after divorce? Recovering from the affair? What is it that God has called you to do? Is it one of the things that we've already talked about? Is it, is it something else completely? Does it have something to do with the relationship that you are currently in? Does it have something to do with your purity? Does it, does it have something to do with the, the way in which you are, are living out your faith? Does it have something to do with the way that you are or are not sharing your faith? What is it that God has, has said, listen, here's what I want you to do, and you need to believe that you can do it? Is it being baptized into Christ? He said, if you, if you believe in me, he said, I want you to be washed. I want you to be cleansed. I want you to be... I want you to be made new. How many times have you told God, I just don't think I can live that life. I just don't think I can be that person. I don't think I can change my language. I don't think I can order my finances. I don't think I can, I can put my purity where it needs to be. I don't think my focus in life is what I can do. Then here's what I want you to hear this morning. If you've ever been one of those people, if you've ever been one of those people who've told God, you know, I think the expectations that you have on me, it's just too much, then you need to hear Jesus say, come and walk. You need to hear him say, walk on water. You need to hear him say, get out of the boat. Because I would not ask you to walk if I did not believe that you could come to me. And I would not ask you to keep going after you lost your spouse if I didn't believe that you could. And I wouldn't ask you to be strong in the locker room when everybody else is is taking my name in vain, when everybody else is talking about what they're going to do after the ball game that does not honor me. You can be strong because I've called you to do it. What is it? See, God God has placed an expectation on your life. 
because you're his disciple. But before you can live it out, you have to believe it. Not believe in yourself, but believe in the one who called you. God's great event is his greatest expectation. It's that you can actually be changed into the person of Jesus Christ, that you can, you can have the mind of Christ, you can have the thoughts of Christ, you can have the walk of Christ. It's a lifetime event. And it doesn't come to fruition until this world is over and you stand face to face with your God. But it's on that moment. It's on that moment when there you are face to face with the one who called you, face to face to the one that said, listen, you can love and you can forgive, face to face with the one that said you can trust, face to face with the one that said you can do this, you can be that person, face to face, instead of hearing, oh ye of little faith, you hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joys of your Lord. Hey, Derek, I want you to lead us in another song, would you? Let's sing as the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people. And as we sing this song, I want you to know that if you're an individual that, you know what? You've just been telling God no way too much. Then maybe you can come forward and can we just pray for you as a church that you might be strengthened, that you might, you might, have, you might have some strength this week to live differently than you did last week? Or maybe you're one of those people that I mentioned that I said, you know what? God has asked that you, you give your life over to him and that you, be, that you be baptized because of your belief of who Jesus is. And you just haven't done that yet. And it's like, you know what? Why not just now? The one that has called you believes that you can actually do what he's called you to do. Will you live it? Let's encourage ourselves. Let's stand and sing.